everybody, my name is Nola Sanderson, and I'm a portrait and lifestyle photographer based out of Chicago. Welcome to How We Create. How We Create is a podcast that digs deeper into the creative life of contemporary artists of color. Discover what feeds their creativity and how they found or are finding their artistic voice. Through these intimate and candid conversations, you will gain insights into the lives of creative professionals of color that are hard to find anywhere else. Enjoy. Well, everyone, we're really excited to have Nolis Anderson here joining us on the podcast. Hi, Nolis. Hey, how's it going? We're doing well. It's a beautiful day here, and I'm so excited to be chatting with you about your life as a photographer, as an artist, and how you just, how you rock it. Nice. I'm happy to be able to share. Hopefully, hopefully we can give out some good info today. Oh, well, I'm sure we will. So I want to start out by going way back. So I want to start out by talking about the Nolis that was, that attended Kenwood Academy High School. What were you like in high school? Bad inner city kid for like maybe like the first two years. I like just kind of grew up a little bit, met some, you know, interesting people who are like now my friends now, and they kind of helped to like morph and turn me into more of a, a creative kid probably around my junior year of high school you know getting more into like kind of fashion streetwear so, so at that point where did you start getting into photography no i don't think i got into photography until maybe a few years later probably like in college i don't think i got into photography until i was like, like 20 something oh. like that, 20, 20 or 20 or 21 something around that something around that time yeah like back then it was just like i was still shooting film like my first camera was like a film camera i got it from like a pawn shop yeah and that's kind of how it started kind of went from there uh back then it was just still very much so a hobby it was not good at all at, at it. <laughs> but you started young it's pretty good to start um sharpening your eye at that age because it takes a while as we know to to kind of get your eye to a place where you feel comfortable oh, yeah. with I mean, yeah i mean yeah, it took quite a bit. I mean, my friend who used to do all of the photography and stuff for the store, I just kind of saw him doing it. And I was like, oh, I could do that too. So that's why I kind of went and grabbed the, the camera and just kind of tried it out. And I've tried many things. I've tried piano, tried the guitar. I literally have a guitar in my front room that I don't know how to play. And and then I, I tried, tried photography. And like that was kind of like the one thing that just kind of stuck and that I actually liked and was good at. So it's really cool. Okay. So then from what I understand or from what I've researched, so out of after finishing high school here in Chicago in Hyde Park, then you ended up going to, to get your doctor of pharmacy degree, mm-hmm. right? Tell me about that because, I mean, in terms of everything you've chatted about now about um, being in high school and being interested in the arts and hanging out with your friends to suddenly getting a doctor of pharmacy, how? tell me the story of the leap, how you came to do that. Well, I mean, I've always been, not always, but I think at the same time of me transitioning from being like a little knucklehead in high school to the more creative side and in my junior year, I also turned it around from an academic standpoint as well. Like I wasn't the, the best student in high school for the first two years. And then like my junior year, I turned it around and got my GPA up. So I was also into like the academics and science as well when I was younger also. So, and you know, back then, like I didn't even know you can even have a career in photography. So like when I had got into it, it was just kind of a, a, a hobby. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of followed along with the social economic plan of life and, you know, 
high school and then you go to college and then you go to college and then you go to grad school and get a job. So that was kind of like just like the, the reasoning behind it. I wanted to go in the medical field, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a doctor. It was going to take too long. Like it was between a doctor and like pharmacist and like a dentist. So I didn't get, I didn't do that either. So I feel like, and then so pharmacy was kind of like that nice little kind of like balance, like in between. Now that I think about it, I should have, I should have became like a, a ophthalmologist or something like that. I feel like it would have made more sense, but I went to undergrad for like two years and then I didn't graduate undergrad. I just kind of went straight to, to, to pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for about four years with my doctor of pharmacy and then I did that for a few years before getting into uh, photography full-time. I mean, to go into photography full-time, like my background, just to give you a bit of a backstory, I did, I got my master's in education after doing, after working, um, after getting out of college for a few years. And so getting, deciding to become pro <laughs> takes a little bit of time. So you're skipping over some time there. So tell me the story of being, finding out that you want to leave being a pharmacist to going full time. Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like it just kind of like the situation kind of just chose itself. It was just like, so after I did the pharmacy for like uh, about two years, was transitioning from my job and I was looking for another one in between looking for jobs I kind of got back into my photography because like uh, pharmacy took up a lot of my time took a, a lot of hours and, and and dedication it's not really something you can, can slack slack on because you know the things you do you know people rely on you to be on it at all times and focused and, and knowing what you're doing so it, it took a lot of time away from my photography even to the point I don't think I shot for like an entire year while I was working just because I didn't have time, that, that that bummed me out a bit. And you know, luckily, like like I said, like I've been in like the creative community since I was 16, 17. So I, I I've always kept those networks and, and and those kind of like resources. I was started getting little gigs here and there. My friend would recommend me for some other jobs, and you know, it, it just kind of grew, kind of one after one after another. After a while, it just kind of built up into its own thing. So it's not like, it, I don't think it was a necessary moment when I chose to switch over. But I think the, the situation kind of worked itself out where that's just kind of how it happened. So it was just like one gig after another, one gig after another. And then it's like a few years later, I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm still doing this full time. This is crazy. And then also just kind of like proving to my, my parents that it was a lucrative career because, you know, Going from being a pharmacist to a freelance photographer doesn't seem like the most ideal decision from you know to a, to a parent for sure. So yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things. So I think once I started doing bigger things and, and showing them, and then you know they saw me like in the newspaper, like a magazine, and things like that, they kind of like came around to it a little bit. So can we chat a little bit about what kind of artist did you want to be? Back then, when I was younger, like I said, I was kind of really into like the fashion and, and streetwear community in Chicago. So uh, it was probably going to be geared more towards that in regards to just kind of like, you know, a fashion photographer, that kind of vibe. But the older I got, the more I kind of realized that I'm not necessarily big into fashion per se. I'm into style. Like I like style, but like I'm not keeping up with uh, whatever fall, winter, 20 something kind of thing. Like that was never really something I was like super interested in. So I I didn't see myself being a fashion photographer. Well, back then I used to shoot a lot of parties, events and and concerts and things like that. So I think that's kind of another realm of kind of what I was doing. And I just did that because, you know, 
I was just partying with my friends, and I was the I was the kid with the camera. So I was just kind of like the one who would always have it, and then sometimes people would like pay me to come and shoot parties and stuff for them, or if it was like a concert and people were performing, some of my friends were performing, sometimes they would like pay me to come and, and shoot the performance. That's initially kind of like how I got into meeting the younger Chicago kids who are big and super famous now. So so yeah, I did that for a while, but you know, and then after a while that, that gets tiring. Shooting parties is exhausting. <laughs> and you have to you have to really really enjoy it to do it just people just like bumping into you and just like everybody asking you for a photo like every three seconds it's super i mean personally it's, it's, it wasn't for me and you know and i think it just, i think it was just all just like a maturation pro- process just because yeah like i didn't go to school for it so i think it was just kind of me finding out for myself and, and and doing my own research my definition of research was just going out and shooting and just gaining experience and also just YouTube. I just looked at YouTube a ton. And, YouTube uh, University, huh? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, yo, YouTube and Flickr were kind of like my two biggest resources in regards to just learning different techniques, looking like different styles of photography. And then I think that's how I, my friend Mark LaRock, who is a studio photographer from Luxembourg, and he is a portrait photographer, and he kind of really gave me a lot of information when I was younger and kind of showed me a few techniques and things like that. And I think that's one of the main reasons I kind of transitioned over to shooting more portrait photography. So now I'm more of a portrait lifestyle photographer now. So I think that's kind of just kind of where my heart lies and kind of what I like to shoot in regards to like my like passion. Can you tell us what you like about Mark's work and why why was he a particularly great influence for you? I mean, back 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 in the day, his work was just, his work was just clean. Like it was just so clean and minimal. In my mind, I'm still trying to find like my style of shooting. So you know, when people see a photo, they, if they see a photo, they be like, "Oh, that's no, let's took that photo." Like you can just you can easily tell. Uh, I'm still thinking I'm looking for that, but some people say that they can tell already. But and then every time people say they look at my photos, they be like, "Man, your photos are always just really." really clean like I don't know what you do but they're just really really clean so I think that was kind of what I really liked about his work and then he just also really taught me a lot of small detail editing photoshop you know just like cleaning up the skin and working with the shadows with on the light and like how to, how to face changes with shadows and things like that so he just kind of like really gave me a lot of my initial kind of just beginner techniques I think that was kind of what drew me to him just like I was getting into portraits and then I just saw his stuff and his work was just so clean and how he worked with light and, you know, cause it was just a lot of things that I couldn't do because I didn't have the, the equipment to do it. I was mm-hmm. still like beginner camera. I didn't have any like flashes or anything like that back then. So it was like a lot of stuff he was doing, like I wasn't really able to do at the time that kind of motivated me to kind of go out and, and, and start getting stuff like that and getting equipment like that from, from what I could get and just to kind of do like trial and errors and, and, and see how it worked with my friends. And going way back and looking at your Instagram page, one of the things I realized is like you already had the signature Nolis photos, but you were f- swimming in and out of it. I don't know if you've ever gone way back mm-hmm. to look. Some of them don't look like your work now at all, but I think I could see, I, I mean, I could see some of it, but then I can also see how you were exploring. So it's just really interesting that you say that because I could see how like 
how you're swimming um, and finding your own style. And I think to your point, one of the things that I think I love about your style, it, it's very much about that moment that you've captured, but it also seems ephemeral. Like it seems like a really fragile moment at the same time that if you touch it or if you interact too much with it, be like a thin paper because that's how fragile and how telling it is of that person, of the portrait that you've taken of that person. And that it's such a fleeting moment that if you were to touch it, it would almost disappear in a, a, a little bit. Uh, I think that came from me doing a lot of like street photography. So that was probably another, I've went through so many photo phases. That was probably around the time like Instagram came out, you know, back then when you were on Instagram and you were like a young photographer, we were all out just running around the city just doing street photography and stuff like that. So, and, you know, with street photography, it's all about grabbing that moment, that decisive moment, and, you know, the one moment that you probably won't ever get back again. So it was like, I think that in my photography, I mean, in my portrait photography started to kind of meld together because I really like shooting people like in environments. The thing I like to do the most nowadays, I like to shoot creatives with in their own environment just because I like to kind of like tell that story. Although I, I enjoyed shooting portraits of of people like in studios i think you get more of a story when you know that person has like a backdrop or or something that that, that relates to them and, and can further kind of express kind of what they do as an artist so i really like to do that nowadays that's been kind of like one of my favorite little passion projects mm. to do like i went to harlem and my friends out there and, and she's a painter and like i just took pictures of her in her house like in front of her her paintings and but like the, the mood of it and the light was like really really cool and interesting so it just kind of really helped to kind of portray kind of what she was trying to do so things like that is like kind of really what i'm trying to do more of it's just like kind of find find interesting people and just kind of shoot them in their own environment yeah there's something that's really amazing about that and i think that's why so many people do you do you remember or do you know of the selby have you heard of the book um you might be interested in finding that he was a photographer who came who got a lot of press back in the early in like around 2008 2009 10 for his work where he was basically photographing artists in their space. So everyone from kind of like Karl Lagerfeld to some lesser known artists. And it's really interesting to see people in their own personal space because what our spaces always say so much about us, about who we are. What's your editing process now? Because... It does look like your images that you do very little to them. But obviously, a lot of us, <laughs> we know we have our own style. And what, what I've come to find is that whatever looks easy, usually <laughs> it's not because there's a lot of work that goes into things, to, into work to make it look easy. Going back to um, how Mark LaRock was kind of showing me like a lot of those like editing skills and stuff like that in Photoshop, I definitely have strayed away from that a bit because I do like my portraits to be a bit more natural now. So my workflow starts in, in Lightroom. So I'll do all of my color corrections and, and things of that nature, like in Lightroom. And then if I need to do anything in detail, I'll bridge it over to Photoshop, do whatever I, never, do whatever I need to do in there, which is only really nowadays, very like minimal cleaning up blemishes, you got to say it or something like that, maybe some wrinkles here and there. I'll knock that out and then I just take it back to Lightroom and just kind of clean it up. So that's kind of my, in a, in a nutshell, I don't want people to look perfect, perfect. I don't want my work to express that perception that 
perfection is a thing. Like nobody's perfect. So everybody's imperfect to somebody. So it's just like, I, so I, I do my best not to keep too much. Like, yeah, I'll, if you got some moles, I'll keep your moles. I'm not, I'm not moving nothing. I'm not curving nothing, anything <laughs> like that. So I try to keep it as respectably natural as possible. Something obviously for maybe aesthetic purposes for the photo as a whole. I'm not doing, I'm not out here making like Barbie dolls or anything like that. <laughs> From my research, it looks like you were um, affiliated with an organization called Simple Good. Are you still oh, affiliated yeah. with them? Yeah. And are you still teaching high school students? Yeah, I'm still affiliated. I'm actually doing a speech with them at Google tomorrow for their end of year event. The kids do like uh, different photography or different art projects over the year. And then at the end, they have like a like a showcase. Uh, so tomorrow's going to be their showcase and I'm going to be one of the speakers there. So yeah, I still work with them when I have the opportunity to and also plan on doing a lot more with them next year now that I have my studio. So I want to bring them to my studio and do like some workshops and stuff with the kids there and just kind of show them bigger photo setups and, and things of that nature. Are you teaching mainly photography and studio photography and just the the technical aspect of photography? Is that what, what you're teaching? I wouldn't say like I'm a frequent teacher with The Simple Good. Um, I'm kind of like a, a special speaker that comes in every once in a while. And I will assist them with like different projects and, and topics that they're working on at the time. And also just let them know a little bit about me because they they turn around some students every uh, every year. So sometimes they're new and sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's me introducing myself and then we're going to different topics and stuff like that. But I want to do more than teaching than what I have been doing, even more so next starting next year. Uh, now that I have like an actual space to be able to, you know, provide, especially with the amount of kids that they have sometimes. So, so yeah, it's, it's usually just kind of like a tutoring session, depending on kind of what they're trying to do. Sometimes it's like outside street photography. Sometimes it's like natural life photography. Sometimes it's studio photography. So it's just kind of like I'm kind of there to kind of help guide them and teach them a little bit about like lighting and kind of like, oh, you can like, you know, you can do this. If you turn them this way. You know, it'll look like that. Or if you kind of like angle the camera different, you can kind of get a different like, you know, point of view or like different compositions and things like that. So just kind of like, you know, they're still pretty um, new in regards to like photography. They're still early beginners. So got it. As we're heading into the end of our interview, one of the things I really want to talk about is money and about getting paid because we as yeah. artists, that's we have to make our living, right? So what are some of the over the years, you know, you've certainly at this point, you're becoming more and more prolific in terms of some of the clients that you have. You've shot in Gianni Versace's mansion. You've shot the Chicago, Chicago Bulls. You've shot for the W Magazine. You've done work with a Coors Light campaign that won an Addy, correct? Oh yeah, that was my real job. That was your real job. <laughs> Got hired as a as an art director for a digital for agency for an ad agency in Chicago for like three months just to do the Coors Light work. So I, it was like the first time. I just wanted to try it out and see how it was. Oh, <laughs> that was like an yeah, that was like a job. Did you end up liking it? It was fine. I liked it. Yeah, I think it was cool, but it wasn't for me though. I, I okay. like. I mean, I like freelance. Okay. Um, and then now you are, you're also freelancing for the New York Times. Can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the strategies you've used to be able to stay at the forefront of clients' minds and to be able to keep jobs coming in so that way you can make your living as, as a photographer? I think it's just honestly just consistency and execution from 
from a from a networking standpoint and from an actual creative standpoint, I just think it's just kind of you know I think you know if any anything in freelance in the freelance world you know is is a lot of it is who you know and who you keep in touch with and so you know especially nowadays on like the whole Instagram thing going on like I've never really gotten to the whole like Instagram influencer thing like I don't think you've ever I've only I've rarely promoted anything on my Instagram or anything like that so that's not really like a that's not really a method of income for me a lot of my stuff is more so behind the scenes like working with like clients and different like corporate shoots and different ad agencies and things like that so that's what I normally do but yeah like in regards to like sorry in regards to the Instagram like a lot of people you know they, they pay too much attention to the people who have like all of the millions of followers or whatever when they need to be paying attention to like the art directors on Instagram and the creative directors and the people who work for ad agencies and the, the bloggers like the people with like the people with like the 250 followers who post pictures of like their family and their dogs like those are those, those. are the people that you want to be in contact with because those are the people who can actually connect you to more opportunities for for different types of jobs and things of that nature so so i think networking is huge and also think networking young is huge and when i say that i mean just having a peer a a peer group of people around you like like like-minded people around you that you can grow with so like I said, like I've been in the creative community since I was 17 and, you know, I've known a lot of people and as we all get older, you know, people get older, people get jobs, people become art directors, people become creative directors, people run ad agencies now that I know when I was younger, but I've always kept those connections. So if something happens and somebody needs a photo shoot in Chicago, I'm the first person they think of or things like that. So it's like, you got to just kind of have to kind of have to be just kind of smart it was just kind of like how you stay in touch with people like obviously you don't have to be best friends with everybody but you know you just need to keep those connections and then from an actual work standpoint i just try to make sure consistent as i can be with my work the work that i do i want it to be something that i'm actually interested in because i think that way i actually execute better a lot of times like if i'm not if it's something i'm not really like into sometimes I just naturally don't put myself in all the way. I'm not zoned in all the way. Like, like people, I remember people used to have me try to shoot weddings and stuff like that. And I hate it. It is so like, it's not my thing. It's just like, I'm just not into it. So it just be such a drag to like, try to do it. But just because I'm, it's just not, it's not the style of photography. I'm not, the wedding wasn't a drag, but just the style of photography just isn't what I'm passionate about. It's not your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's definitely like trying to get things that you, you have some interest in and just trying to, trying to make sure you stay consistent, consistent with your work, especially if you're like working with people for like the first time. Um, Well, I love how first impression is, is amazing because that'll that'll lead you to future jobs i have one job here in chicago shoot the, that's how i got the the gianni versace mansion thing uh, but um yeah i had one job in chicago working with a, an ad agency and i worked really hard and i went above and beyond and kind of did more than kind of what i needed to do for them and 
like a, a month later, they, they called me back and asked me if I wanted to go do something in London. And I was like, yeah, of course. So it was like stuff like that. It's just like, if you, if you, if you do well on those first impressions, you, that, that can lead to so many more different things. So. I love how on your Twitter, you say your Twitter page, you, I think it says, I do not shoot weddings. Yeah. So that's really it's, funny. It was funny at first, but now it's actually really helpful because now I, I literally, no one asks me about it anymore. <laughs> so I, I used to get, I used to get asked about it all the time. No one asked me about it anymore. So I, it was actually, it was actually useful. So very clear to circle back on your networking. How do you network to say like some of the, the people who are now in house at ad agencies or who are buyers? Do you set quarterly meetings? Do you have a newsletter? How do you send out promos? What are the ways that you make sure that people keep up with your work and that you keep in touch with them? I try to do it as organically as I can. I try not to be too businessy about it because it, it turns more into more into business and, and, and less about the relationship. So I just try to be organic. I mean, it's not like I'm not, I'm not keeping tabs on everybody. If I go to a shoot and, you know, I meet a bunch of people and uh, I'll make sure, you know, I keep in contact with them somehow, some way, social media, Twitter, Instagram, or email. Keep in touch, you know, but you don't have to be super detailed in keeping up with people as long as people are aware of you, then I think that's all that matters. So you can, you know, you can throw a like here and there on Twitter and Instagram and, oh man, you know, hope you're doing well, things like that. I think that's kind of the best way to go about it for me personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously everybody's different, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I mean, and then like I said, like a lot of times, like a lot of the people with the agencies, like are not considered them friends now. So it's like, see them out, hanging out. We'll, you know, sometimes we'll go grab food, grab a coffee, just like talk and, and chop it up and, and see how it is. So, but yeah, for me, it's just a really like organic situation for me. I just try to keep in touch with people as natural as possible. Sometimes you don't keep in touch with everybody. That's just kind of how it how is. It is so yes. you, can't, you can't keep in touch with everybody. Sometimes people, you know, sometimes people will, will leave the agency. Sometimes like your, your connection to the agency will leave the agency and then you don't have that connection anymore. Sometimes that happens. It just, you know, it just says what it is, but that's how you just got to keep growing and, and keep networking and, and keep meeting new people. Perfect. Given where you are now and where you were, say, 10 years ago, are you are you thinking at all to the future? Are you thinking at all as to kind of the work that you would like to, to do in the future or how you would like to grow? And to that point, you know, what are some things that you now know that would be really helpful, would be a surprise for you the Nolis of 10 years ago. And in that same vein, what are some of the things that you're hoping to learn as we go into the next, I guess, the next decade, 2020 is here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back then, 2010, I was still in pharmacy school. So I wasn't really thinking about photography as a, a serious uh, occupation. <laughs> I mean, if I can, I mean, if I can go back now to then, I, I mean, I would be like, yeah, you know, you should, you should probably do more on Instagram. <laughs> like back when it first started, it, like, and because you know, back when it first started, they had like a suggested users list. And like, if you were on that suggested users list, you would be like the first people would see first, you would be like the first person people would see when they got on Instagram. So they would just automatically follow you. And that's how a lot of people now have like those like hundreds of thousands of followers or whatever. So, I mean, if I could tell myself back then, I'm like, yeah, you should probably do more on Instagram. Because then, because then, for me, Instagram it still wouldn't have been a priority for me, but it would have been another form 
of, you know, another way to network with people and could have been technically another way to, to have another form of income. So, because you always want to have, you know, multiple forms of income, active and passive. So, um, I would, yeah, I would probably tell myself, yeah, you should probably do more Instagram. <laughs> you can get, get your stuff out a little bit more. But um, in, in regards to, like, my career, I don't think I would have done anything too different. A lot of people always, you know, ask me if I regret regret the whole pharmacy school situation. I'm like, no, man, I love pharmacy school. I learned so much. I met a, a lot of great people. I helped a lot of people. And, you know, that's something I pride myself on. So I think it was, I think going to school for, for me was like a great, like just kind of maturation process in my life, which I think kind of, you know, bled into the whole photography and kind of how I work with that as well. So I was going to say, what did you learn in pharmacy school that you currently use now in your, in either your business or in your, in your practice? I think just discipline, uh, just being able to just, you know, sit down and focus on a task at hand and, and execute it. I think that had a lot to do kind of like earlier in my stages when I was just like learning different techniques and different types of lighting and different types of, you know, Photoshop methods for, you know, doing different things. And I had to learn all that stuff myself. So I think being in school and learning how to, I literally had to learn. Like, so like undergrad was like, high school and undergrad was pretty easy for, like college was pretty easy for me. I didn't have to like study much or anything. But when I got into grad school, I... I didn't know how to study and I was like, mm. oh, this is hard. So <laughs> I had to like teach myself how to study when I got into pharmacy yeah. school. So I think learning that really kind of helped me to just kind of like really settle down and like teach myself uh, certain things about photography that I don't think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people know. So I think, and I think that's probably been one of like an, another reason that you know I, I get certain opportunities because I'm, I'm pretty versatile like I can shoot I can shoot in natural light I understand studio lighting I I, I, I just I just understand kind of like multiple aspects of photography that I think you were learning in school that I think a lot of photographers who are self-taught now haven't had the opportunity to kind of look into more I feel like a lot of photographers now uh, you know they're really prone on like natural light and, and and different things like that, but I think I think me being able to kind of work with light, and I can balance studio and natural light, or I can just do full studio light, and I kind of understand, you know, high key, low key, blah 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 blah, all that kind of crap, and like all that stuff that you would have learned in school that a lot of people don't know now. So, but yeah, I think that that like the discipline behind it was like really big for me because I basically had to start it. I had to start out yeah. with stuff kind of on my own, so it was just kind of like having that mindset uh, to, 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 to succeed and, and accomplish, what you're, accomplish what you're trying to do mm-hmm. is probably one of the biggest things. So. Yeah, and I think to your point about learning how to study, I think a lot of people don't even realize that that's a skill. It's not, it's you don't skill. just sit down and learn how to study. I'm self-taught as well. I, I think I took classes, but for the most part, YouTube University was kind of like how I did it. And to being to only being comfortable with studio light to with natural light to being to now being in studio and to create daylight with light you know what i mean like there's so much that you you have to learn and the more versatile you are then your work is a little bit yeah you can market yourself differently and your work 
also is versatile. Um, yeah, and so that's, that's really that's why, used, that's why I used to go by Universe because it was so expansive, and I wanted uh, to kind of like brand myself on being able to do a little bit of everything. So that's where the, that's actually where the universe part came. From. I see. Yeah, I'm loving this conversation, and I think one of the things I've learned from chatting with you is that I, I worked in nonprofit for a number of years, and to me, systems is the way to go. Like a system to communicate with people, and so on and so forth. And one of the things that I've forgotten is about relying less and less on sending out promos and sending out a newsletter and getting out there and calling people and saying, hey, can we have lunch? Hey, can we have coffee? And then really focusing on what you said when going on their Instagram, DMing them and liking them and commenting. Those things are also, they're really... Yeah, I just think it's just more relatable and I think people have an honest reaction to that better than sending, you know, formal header emails and things like that i think people i, I don't think that's as i don't i don't think those are as memorable mm-hmm. as having organic interactions with people because mm-hmm. they see things like that every day from businesses and companies and stuff like that so i think if you can interact with if you have the opportunity to interact with somebody organic organically yeah. like i saw somebody i saw somebody at the gym the other day the dude he works at an ad agency i saw him at the gym and he was like oh yeah what about the get into this whole, I was just talking to him. He was like, oh yeah, we're about to get into this whole, you know, thing next year or whatever. Uh, I, I'll keep you in mind for any type of campaign. I'm like, yeah, cause it's like, really that's really awesome. Like that. I, saw, I saw him for like five minutes. We were at the team. So it was like, <laughs> I, was like yeah, I, didn't, oh. I didn't do it on purpose. And like, I didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of like organically happened. Yeah. I think that's just kind of like, the best way to, to do it naturally. So. One of the things I've started doing is to send people postcards. They're, they're not full ma- mailers per se, but I will like, if I'm traveling or if I see something that someone's mentioned, like a photo editor that's now a friend at uh, Hearst, she loves birds. So I remember being at a store and I saw a postcard with like birds on it. So I'm like, oh, I sent her a quick little note, put it in the post. And she was like, oh, thank you. So sometimes it's really, really small. It's just making people yeah. know that you're thinking about them. Yeah, it's just, just, just keeping out. Yeah, just keeping out of awareness, honestly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, um, just a few quick fire questions for you. Do you have, can you tell us about a favorite television show that you had when you were growing up as a child that you, that you love? <laughs> as a child? Yeah. Um, hey Arnold. I love Hey Arnold. I loved um, Rocco's Martin Life. I love Family Matters. With Steve Urkel. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think I was big into cartoons when I was younger, so uh, Rock of My Life is like probably my favorite cartoon. And it, I don't know it. Uh, it's like one of those old Nickelodeon, like in the 90s cartoons. He's like a wallaby, and he had like a, a friend who was like a cow, and they just did some wild stuff. It was way too adult of a cartoon. <laughs> well, you're fancy. Most cartoons I know, though. We, we didn't have Nickelodeon, we, did, we couldn't have cable. So none of that for me. <laughs> um, I got lucky. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite book or something that's, um, I guess either a favorite book or something, some um, piece of, of work that's had a huge influence on you? Um, I'm trying to think, where's that book at? This pain in my house, so all of my books are all over the place and I can't find it. What is this? Where's this book at? Anyway, but it is this one book that I think is actually really cool. It's, called can you see this oh i don't know it the photographer's playbook 
Yeah, it's called The Photographer's Playbook. It's a really, really cool book. It's just kind of like if you're ever in a, a, a bit of a creative block, it's just literally just a book of just different ideas and just different things just to do just to kind of play around with. And they just throw out a bunch of different creative ideas to you and you can just kind of work on them just to kind of have fun and just kind of maybe help to kind of re-spark that kind of creative energy. Because sometimes you get creative blocks and you don't know what to do about them. So, um, Photographer's Playbook. Cool. Really really interesting book. Awesome. Can you tell us about the challenge you've faced in your career thus far and how you've overcome that challenge? Um, Yeah. Being a self-taught photographer, I think the biggest thing that I've had issues dealing with is probably the business aspect of it and just kind of overall being my own manager, especially now that things are getting a little bit more busier for me, just understanding and educating myself on like the business lingo. Like I didn't know how to do my taxes from being a a self-employed to now I have my LLC now. So that's a whole different thing that I'm like, that I have to like retype myself on and you know, rights and usages. Oh, usage. Understanding (gasps) that and how to price that and agencies are talking about, you know, yeah, like the usage is like above the line or below the line. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. And I have to go and like Google it and research it before I'm responding, things like that. So it, it's just kind of understanding the, the business aspect of being a freelance photographer, because I think a lot of people go into this and they're very creative, but they're not very business savvy. So I think understanding that aspect has been probably um, the thing that I've had to work on the most, probably, and which is probably the most important thing, too. But. Yeah, it is very, yeah. very important. I think I, this year, too, for me, I set up my LLC a few years ago, but now really getting a better handle <laughs> on taxes and mm-hmm. making sure that um, I've set up a system, my banking, that way, as soon as the money comes right. out, the tax for um, Uncle Sam goes out too. I mean, it's no joke. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I have my own, like I have a own, I have a separate savings account specifically just for, for taxes. My estimated taxes. My, yeah. estim- my estimated taxes. Oh, I literally just like, yeah, anytime I get, uh, anytime I get a check, I just take a quarter of it and throw it in there. Mm-hmm. And whenever my quarterly month comes up, I just throw it all in there. So yeah, I know. I owe, hopefully I don't owe anything next year. Oh so my gosh. I probably owe me, they probably owe Oh, that's awesome. I think um, in the Dynasty podcast, I just remember you talking about um, about how you like you don't like to owe money. <laughs> you like to your. <laughs> I, have no, I have no credit debt. I hate owing. I hate owing people anything. I don't like. I don't like owing people nothing. So. Mahe. Well, I think I keep, on, I keep on top of my stuff. Well, that makes a that's that's the key to a profitable business, right? <laughs> have you read the book called Profit First? That's a good one. Um, right. I think it's it it really helps with with uh, structuring your business in such a way that way you pay yourself first, and then everything else goes um, mm. goes out. I think that's basically it for me. Do you have any other? Any other questions or anything I didn't cover that you would like to to share? We can talk a little bit about the studio. Please go ahead. Me and uh, two other people, Alina Savor and Mike Salisbury, we just opened up a studio in June called South Facing Windows. So basically, it's just kind of this uh, is here in uh, Chicago, right? 
Yeah, it's here in Chicago. It's in Bridgeport. So basically, it's just a, a large space studio where we have the opportunity to kind of do what we want creative, creatively and bring people in and do different projects and basically just kind of utilize the space however it needs to be used. So we're just really excited about it. It's all super brand new to us. We've had some pretty cool projects in there already. So we're just trying to further advance it next year. And we're still trying to build it out and, and see where it goes. Mm, that's amazing. I've seen photos on Instagram. It looks so good. The light it looks so delicious. Yeah, so it's called South Facing Windows because obviously the windows are facing south. And a lot of times, like when if you're a photographer and you're looking for different types of studios or different types of light, a lot of times people like south facing windows because you get the most consistent amount of light throughout the day. So that's kind of one of the, that was like the kind of like thing for why we named it that. Mm -hmm. so. It was great chatting oh. with you. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.